Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 416, joined by a special guest returning to Bench with Bubba to talk about some early NFBC draft takeaways, some ADP debates and whatnot, because why not? It's almost Thanksgiving. We have so much going on drafting already. There's nine uh, final drafts in ADP already. It's crazy. So we'll break it all down and much, much more. You can find him on Twitter at Pile of Dial, the NFC, NFBC veteran himself, or NFC, NF, whatever basketball one you name him. He does it all. John Fish, how are we doing, man? Good, Bubba. How are you tonight? Good, good, good. Um, how, how is it um, doing all these drafts while still managing your basketball and your football and your hockey teams? Uh, it's uh, very, very challenging. Yeah. Set, setting football lineups tonight. I'm scrambling, although pretty much all my football teams are done. I mean, I think I have one or two teams that are in any kind of contention. It's been an awful year for me. Thank God it's coming off a good baseball season. So <laughs> not too yeah. much in the hole. It, this football season, man, like I, it, it, I hate to say it, but it's a luck thing, but you've had to dodge so many bullets to survive this one. It's, it's been a wild go, to say the least. That's what I'll say. It's, like, it's not luck. You still don't know what you're doing, but it's been bonkers out there. So uh, very, very tough to, to navigate those minefields. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it finishes up. Technically, we're, like, barely halfway done. So, well, with yeah. the season, you know, you got playoffs coming sooner for fantasy-wise, but we'll see where that goes. But uh, baseball, 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 baseball. How many drafts have you done so far? Uh, five completed drafts. Nice. And nice. Currently in uh, six and seven at the same time here. So. Yes, you're in one with uh, with me. My first one of the year. My, my official first one. I don't really count my F pass one because it's it's in hiatus right now. We get to finish it in a while, so it's not. It's kind of paused. But this is the first go get them one. So it's been quite interesting already through three rounds. But I like the one hour clocks. I don't feel like we had one hour clocks last year. So it's it's a nice change of pace. But what do you? What are you seeing? Uh, any big differences between your uh, your NFBC 50-12 teamers and your DC uh, 15 teamers so far? Well, I've unfortunately had late picks in every every draft um, so far. Like this draft we're in right now in this, in this 50, is I have pick six, and that's the earliest pick I've had so far, which is really unfortunate because I actually really, really like uh, – the early picks this uh, right now where we're at in draft season right now, the way things are kind of shaping up. I really like the, those first four picks. Um, but yeah, as far as like what I'm seeing, like um, I mean, obviously we're seeing, the, we're seeing closers go the, t- the top two closers are going in the, in the 15 teams. We've seen them go in the, in the second and third round, which is uh, it. I get it. It's pushed up. Um, you know, we, what do we have? Like seven, eight sure closers at the, at the moment. So yeah, it's rough. And it, yeah, in a drafted hold, like you, you know, you got to have your saves. So I definitely understand uh, why people are, uh, you know, jumping the gun a little bit on that. It makes total sense. Yeah, I just, uh, I just took a right before we recorded, maybe two picks ago in our, our fifty we're doing right now, twelve teamer. I took Liam Hendricks in the third round, uh, eighth pick in the third round. Something that we were talking about before the show that I probably wouldn't do very often, but in a just draft and hold type format, I'm going to give it a whirl. That's part of the. It's part of the fun of these. Yes, there's a there's a monetary prize, there's an overall prize, but it's also getting kind of a strategy down 
for uh, go time later in the year. So we're going to see how this one plays out and, uh, and go from there because I still think Liam Hendricks is a beast and probably the best one in football. I mean, baseball, I'm watching football too. Baseball and um, trying to uh, trying to lock down those saves, hopefully, because the White Sox should be pretty darn good still from everything that we should expect. Um, you mentioned – I know you were talking with, in the groups before we did our KDS that you hadn't had a top pick yet. You want one of those top picks. You said you still uh, – you know, you've been stuck in the middle to the back end so far. Um, what would you potentially do differently if you had a top pick? Then, like, like, would it completely flip the way you draft, or is it just because you want like the Tatis, the Turner, one of those guys? Yeah, I, I, I want speed in the first round, and I think, I mean, I have a pretty clear cut top four, um, not in any particular order, but Trey Turner, Tatis, uh, Bichette, and uh, Jose Ramirez are my pretty clear top four. So the way things are shaping up right now, the way that I've seen things um, things going so far is I really, really like the pitchers in the third round. Um, I think Giolito and Nola, I'm perfectly fine with either one of them as my ace. Nice. Um, so like in 15 team leagues, you, you get that five category big bat and you can pair it with the third round pitcher, um, either one of those. And then you can kind of go any way you want with a second round pick. And that's what I really like, like the flexibility. I could hit another, take another hitter there. I could get more speed, you know, maybe if somebody like Starlin Marte is there, um, or I could double up and, uh, you know, hit, hit two pitchers right there in that turn. Or I could go with, um, I could go with, uh, you know, one of the closers as, as well. So, you know, you get a five category bat, one of the elite closers and, and who I think is an ace between, you know, Giolito and Nola. I think that's a phenomenal start. So. Yeah, I, I don't blame you at all. I guess the one takeaway I had from the FPAS draft that we did, I think it was 30 or 27 rounds in or whatever, that starting pitching super deep. Like, you don't have to force it. I used to be a, I have to have, you know, X or Y right out the gate type thing. And I still want to have, like, a, like you want that ace, like a Geo or, or a Nola or something, like in the third or fourth round, you want that. But you're not having to force that, which is nice mm-hmm. for once. So you can kind of play the game and, and build up. Because I think that, like, that mid-tier of pitching is so much larger this year or it might be more volatile, but it's also could be much more successful and more like, you know, flexible type thing while you're drafting. So I'm with you on getting those bats because uh, steals do like, you can get late steals, but it usually hampers some other part of your, your uh, roster. So it's got, you got to get, get those guys early. And when you started talking about those, uh, those mid picks, like I have the eighth pick in our 12 teamer and it got to me and I'm sitting there looking at all the bats that are available. And I'm just like, hmm. like none of the guys I want right now have steals. Unless I push Ozzy Albies all the way up into the eighth overall pick, which I, I just can't stomach. Um, and then it's just, I'm just sitting there torn and torn. So I took Corbin Burns. I'm like, okay, I like Corbin Burns. Don't get me wrong. But I feel like mm-hmm. I was kind of forced into taking Corbin Burns or Garrett Cole or something where I'd rather have gone somewhere else. So I, I, I already understand what you're saying. And then I came back and I didn't take Ozzy Albies. I wanted to. You got him. So you're welcome. Um, <laughs> and uh, we, we go from there. Like, I just, you know, just what John Fish needs more help from me, but um, yeah, it's 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 fun. That's what's the beauty of these early drafts is kind of getting a feel. Um, you said you've done this is your sixth and seventh draft. Are you seeing yourself kind of keep a tight player pool, or are you spreading it out right now? At least the big, uh, well, at least the big guys up top, I should say, because obviously when he gets late, you get kind of different. Yeah. I'm spreading out a little bit, I guess. Um, I have been fortunate to get Jose Ramirez. Like I got him at six in our draft right now, and I got him at seven in my last draft. So it's worked out as of right now. But like, I mean, if if my top four hitters are gone, then it's kind of, I'll take my ace. I got no problem doing that. Kind of like what you just did with Corbin Burns. But then I, 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 I'm almost like forced into taking certain players, like certain stolen base guys, um, in the, in the second and third round, which is fine. Like I, I have no problem with those guys, but you know, like your Starling Marte, Albies, um, you know, I, I've been, I've missed out on Luis Robert everywhere. Um, so far, obviously we're very early in draft season, so I'm sure I'll get a few shares here and there. He's somebody I'm definitely targeting, but I don't have any shares of him yet. Um, as far as like my first round pick, I haven't really diver- diversified too much just because I have been able to get Jose Ramirez in a couple spots. Um, and then I, I did get uh, Corbin Burns and Cole. I did take two shares of Mookie Betts um, with my first two drafts, and uh, I'm a little un- bit nervous it's about it. Pick. It's an uneasy pick. I did the same thing in FPAS. I think I was, I was ninth overall out of 15 as a DC, and I took mm-hmm. Betts. And immediately, like two picks, like 
two drafters, like not two, my two picks, literally two picks later, pick 11. I'm sitting there going, I should have taken Kyle Tucker. Like it, to me, because they're very similar, but one's younger, mm-hmm. obviously, and we know Tucker's going to run. We don't know what's with Mookie's hip. Like we've known more since then, and it still kind of doesn't make me feel easy saying, oh, I'll just rehab it and we'll be okay. Um, yeah. So I know exactly the thought process. I, I passed on him in our draft. I looked at him twice. I'm just like, yeah, I'm, it, no, I'm good. I got my one share, I think. <laughs> I mean, he's going to be a massive steal down there if he's yeah. healthy. But if he's not healthy, it's going to be, I mean, be it tough. could basically ruin your draft. Yeah. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm backing off him a little bit um, after those first two drafts. So. Yeah, and I, I'm already seeing Kyle Tucker's moving up more, so I think that's going to be a common theme is those guys are going to kind of pass each other in the night, and then we'll see if maybe that's kind of with, with Lou Bob. They kind of start hanging out together. That'll be an interesting <laughs> point there too because, like, one, you're going to probably – you're most more than likely going to get much better batting average from Mookie Betts, but you might get a little speed over here. So it's going to be interesting to see yeah. how that one plays out as well. Um, I love J-Ram. I'm 100% with you. I, like, I, I would – I would love him more than anything in the world right now because he's just third base is what it is. That's why I took Devers in round two. No steals, but it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, J Ram's just awesome. Absolutely amazing. So, yeah, I would take J Ram as high as number two, I think. Um, yeah. I'm a Trey Turner number one overall guy. And then, uh, yeah, I think I would take, I would go J Ram probably two. I'd probably go Bichette three. And then I'd probably go Tatis four. Just a little bit of an injury concern for me with Tatis. Okay, well, we're going to jump around the outline thing because you've mentioned Bichette a few times, and I'm really curious because I love Bo Bichette. Love Bo Bichette. And I was big team Bo Bichette last year, and anybody listens to me and Toby, Toby was not team Bo Bichette because he's afraid of the speed. And so we, that was one of the ones we kind of go back and forth on, and it was more just me saying I believe he's young and going to do it. I guess it's just what it's going to be. And if it happened, I, do I get them all right? Not a chance. But this one worked out well. And um, I, I'm pumped on him. Like last year, the big debate – was like, was he worth a second or a third round pick? And it proved it. Yeah, pretty much he was. Well, I knew he would have a good chance to jump in the first round, seeing he's already got like an ADP of five. And you're saying you take him as high as three. And I know you're not alone on that. Um, what are your expectations for Bichette this year? Because uh, when you look at like the steamer projections, and obviously they're not the end all be all by any means, and they're usually much more kind of tempered, but they have him for 28 homers, 18 steals, 101, 95, 292, which is outstanding. That is a phenomenal mm-hmm. five-category line. But what mm-hmm. are you thinking from him? Because you mentioned, uh, you know, you got Tatis there, you got Turner, you got J-Ram, you got Bichette. That's your big four. That's a heck of a big four to be with. Yeah, I would expect something very similar to what he just did this previous year. Okay. Um, five Five-category production. Uh, you know, you might not get five category production from JRM because you could, you know, the, the average is a little bit, a little bit worrisome, but you're going to get a little bit more power and speed with Bo. I think you're looking at pretty much the same line as he just did. I think he's going to hit 290 to 300, 100, 100. And I think, um, you know, probably, probably 20, 25 home runs and 15 to 20 steals. I think that's what, uh, that's what my expectation would be. Yeah, so you're in line with Steamer. Like last year, he had 29 homers, 25 steals. It's like if he has one like like a hot like couple weeks, he could be 30-30. Like that's yeah. that's yep. monstrous stuff. That's game-changing stuff. And I guess that's why you take the gamble on him there. So like I'm not against the pick. I was just surprised to see him go that high right out the gate. Like, boom, people are making their, their statements right away with him. Like it's mm-hmm. great to see Turner because for years there's been guys like me, you, I know Dave McDonald and a few others that were always been Trey Turner, but I've had people – fight back with me on like no he can't do this he can't do that and well he's proved everybody wrong so far and now everyone's starting to draft him number one for obvious reasons um and to see Bo move up there too is pretty sweet um i want to ask you about another guy that i know you like quite a bit at least last year jazz chisholm was your dude and Mm -hmm. i just want to bring this up because there's a discussion point with um me and um good old uh curland the other day and he's up to an adp of like 73 give or take right now and we know what jazz chisholm can do is um he can run he can do it all basically and um a little bit of power but the average is, is a concern to say the least last year he hit 18 homers stole 23 bags and only 124 games while hitting 248 so what are you thinking with the guy like jazz chisholm Cause like yes the swing and miss is a concern but let's say he plays another 25 games are we still believing in the power speed combo like what's your thoughts on him uh, yes, I definitely believe in the power speed. Um, the batting average is definitely a concern, and I, I think you know he, he's still young, so mm-hmm. he, you know, he he's got plenty of room for improvement still, and I think he will improve. Um, I I would not expect 
too high of a batting average, maybe 260, 265 for this year. But if you're looking at the the landscape now in fantasy baseball, batting average, it, like that's 260, 265, that's pretty much 80th percentile these days. Um, so while it is a little bit of a concern, it's not, you know, he's not 200 to 220 batting average. Um, so I don't, he's, he's not going to kill you in batting average. I do like the dual eligibility. Uh, I, I probably can't expect much in RBI department. Um, and you know, I, I probably wouldn't expect a hundred runs either just because that lineup is, uh, not, not exactly the greatest lineup in baseball, but, um, yeah, I would definitely expect the, uh, the power and speed to continue. So I think he's definitely worth the, uh, the, the pick there at that ADP. Especially if you didn't address stolen bases early Bingo. on, Bingo. that's the, that's the key right there. If you did not address stolen bases, you got to get them somewhere. So why not get them with a guy who's going to give you a little bit of power and dual eligibility? Yeah, the way I look at him, and I might be overzealous because I love Jazz Chisholm. Um, I wasn't on him as hard as you were last year, but I definitely had a few places I got him, and where I got him, he helped me finish very well for what he did, even though he didn't play that often. Um, I think he's a, a like a Bobichet light, basically. Like he's not going to get the batting average, but I think that power speed he brings to your lineup, legit twenty twenty type stuff, I think is tremendous, especially where you're getting him in the draft. So my question for you, just for fun, from the hip here at the shortstop position, he's the twelfth shortstop off the board right now. Would you take him over Francisco Lindor? Oh, that's tough. Um, well, as many times as Lindor has screwed me over. Mm-hmm. Uh, Straight up, mm-hmm. um, I probably would not. We're going 30 because, picks apart right now. Yeah, yeah. straight up, I probably would not, just because I think Lindor's counting stats are going to be far superior. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I think I think their home runs are going to be pretty similar, and I actually think Jazz will have more steals than him. Agreed, agreed. Um, um, the next guy, we don't know where he's going to be playing yet next year, but what about Jazz and the 10th shortstop, Corey Seager? That's going to come down to com- completely the team need. If you need stolen bases, obviously it's going to be jazz. But if but if you've addressed stolen bases early, like I usually like to do, um, Corey Seager's the pick. I think he's going to be an elite four category bat no matter where he goes. Yeah, that's going to be a, a fun one. So yeah, it's just I guess I guess it also shows how deep shortstop is that jazz. It can be the twelfth shortstop and still be so darn good, but uh, still keep it quite interesting at the same time. So. Uh, be a fun one to monitor, we'll, and he will be back on the agenda here a little later to talk about some ADP talk. But I figured I, I've always compared him to Bobichet light. Obviously, Bobichet's much better, but I feel like if you're good on batting average, you can get some interesting production that might be, I don't know, something. Maybe what we thought we were going to get with Bichette last year, which he had six over exceeded, like that could be what Chisholm could do this year type thing. So let's see how that goes. Um, let's talk about some early ADP standards. We talked about Bichette already. Let's talk Shohei Otani because this is one I cannot, I get, but I can't pull the trigger on. Like, obviously, on Thursday, as we record, he won the AL MVP unanimously, deservedly so. Um, mm-hmm. but he's pitcher or or utility, you have to put him in one position. And if you put him at pitcher, you obviously can't change him out at the end of the week, like you can a hitter. He's going around pick eight or nine right now. And I just can't bring myself to do it because talk about paying for a guy at his peak, but I might be wrong. So what's your thoughts on Otani going this high? Yeah, I'm probably not going to have any shares of Otani. Um, he, in my opinion, he's far more valuable as a hitter. And I'm just not interested in filling my utility in the first round. Like that is just, it's just a recipe for disaster. As you progress through the draft, you can't take, you know, let's say you take second and short, and then all of a sudden you got a middle infielder that you really like. So you take that. And then now you can't take another middle infielder, even if, no matter how far somebody falls, because you, you got your utility filled. Um, you're probably not going to use Otani as much as a pitcher, if uh, especially if they're sticking with the if they're sticking with the one start a week. It's pretty tough to use him as a pitcher. Um, but yeah, I would. Uh, I, I would. I'm, I'm probably going elsewhere in the first round. Yeah, no, that's that's the part I can't stomach. Like I. I get certain arguments, but and there's just so much injury risk with a guy doing both things at all times. I'm just terrified of that kind of situation. So yep. taking a guy that early, you got to basically have a lot more confidence. At least I need to, to take a guy like that. Uh, prove me wrong. That's fine. But uh, that's one of those I'll just kind of, I'll be willing to be wrong on type situations. Yeah. Uh, the, the thing next- is, the thing is with drafts, like you can miss out on a, a breakout player. I could miss out on the biggest breakout player in baseball across all my drafts and still do just fine. You know, it's uh, 
it's 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 how you build your entire team. So that's the that's the beauty of baseball is it is an entire team, as you said. Unlike football, like in the old days, if you had Ladanian Tomlinson, well, you won the league. So congratulations. Yeah. Um, yeah. This, this is a whole different animal, and it's so much longer. Where there's so many D- IL stents and fab things, and yeah, this just gets you the base. Like unless you run pure as pure can be, like the genius robot Phil DeSo did, who literally. <laughs> Like avoided every landmine on the planet, but he also drafted the amazing breakout guys. Like he just did, checked every single possible box you can imagine, and he kicked everybody's butt. So it was pretty darn impressive. Um, yeah, next, but I think even he didn't have any Vlad Junior last year. No, so I, it, his his big things was he nailed his closers, even in the DC, like you mentioned. But others, so he didn't have to be chasing; he wasn't chasing saves. Mm-hmm. And then he, you know, he had the Degroms, but then he had said Robbie Ray late. He had Rodon late. He had all those late starters that just pff, Logan Webb just elevated him through the roof. So you don't have to worry about anything in that regard. That's clutch. It's huge. Yep, um, absolutely. I would love to have that happen one time in my life too. Like that would be amazing. <laughs> but um, there's always some road bump in every league we're in, which is how, how it goes, it feels like. Yep. Um, the next guy I wanted to bring up, and this is more because I expected Jordan Alvarez to go higher in drafts. I was kind of surprised by this. He's uh, when I made this last night, he's going around pick 39. He's already bumped up one since they've added two more drafts to the ADP. So he's going around pick 38 overall. So maybe he'll slowly keep climbing and make a little more sense to me. But I, I get he gets no speed. And there was injury concerns. But in the end last year, he still played 144 games, hit 277 with 33 bombs. Like he's a four category beast. He's what JD Martinez used to be. And JD used to go in round two. So that's why it stood out to me that he's going basically round late round three. Maybe he'll fall around four. Maybe he'll creep up. I don't know. Where do you see Jordan Alvarez becoming worth the price of admission, basically? Uh, well, I actually just took him in um, at pick 40. Yeah, uh, yeah um, it, he doesn't fit my mold that I like to the way I like to draft yes, my aces please, and bases. Dude, okay, you said that is <laughs> Amazing, by the way. I, I heard someone on his Rob show. There needs to be shirts or something. I'll buy one now because that's how I draft. Like I want X amount of stolen bases early. Like, and I want my like I, I said earlier. You don't have to force the starters anymore, but you still want them. So you need the ace. Like, phenomenal. That's all I gotta say. So as you were, yeah, yeah. So so I took him at pick forty, and this was after pocket aces. So it's I'm really setting myself back in stolen bases, which is just something I don't ever want to do. But when I looked at it, I looked at the, the, the way the draft fell. So I went Burns Wheeler as my pocket aces. And before my next pick, Mullins, Marte, Witt, uh, Tim Anderson, and then Teoscar Hernandez, who was my target, uh, actually got sniped, taking the pick before me. So I'm looking at it and I'm like, okay, so I could take either like Trevor, Trevor Story, uh, Mondesi, who I'm just not really interested in in the third round. Uh, like Tyler O'Neill, uh, some, you know, Rosarena, like those are kind of my stolen base options. Right. So I'm looking at it. I'm like, all right, I'm not going to force the issue here. So let me get the big four category back. Cause I do think he's going to be a monster four category bat. I mean, like you said, we just saw it this past season uh, in their Houston lineups going to be loaded again. So yeah, yeah, that's, I went Jordan and then I took, so I went story next okay um, that's a that's an interesting one i get it yeah i'm not super high on it but again like i'm so far behind on stolen bases i i figure wherever he's gonna go i think he could get at least 20 stolen bases yep that so, that's the thing that's the thing with story like sure the power might disappear but no matter where he goes he should still run mm-hmm. so like and literally we just talked about a guy like good story now and then next round of the round after just maybe jump and get chisholm and you're gonna have 40 or 50 steals before you know it but uh yeah, it, your outfield becomes an in- interesting situation because that's always a conundrum in DCs, as uh, we've talked about before. So yeah. it's it's such a puzzle to put together. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it really is. And the good thing about Alvarez is this year is he's actually outfield eligible. So that's you true. know, going into last year, he was U- UT only, and that was just really really tough to take. And then you know, he has coming off his two knee surgeries. So whoever did get him, and I don't think I had any shares last year. Whoever did get him actually. It turned out to be a really good pick because he gained outfield eligibility and he had a huge year. So, 
I took him in my very, very last draft because I was so anti Jordan everywhere. But then, like, my last draft was like a FOMO draft. Okay, I took like this guy and this guy. So I took Jordan, and I'm like, well, that panned out for at least one draft because <laughs> the rest of them was like that power alone. That was one of my biggest weaknesses last year. Is most of my power guys like all got hurt. It felt like it was just it was all right. Christian Walker just couldn't hit the ball. And that was fun. So uh, Jordan was, yeah. was big, big, big. Yeah. Um, speaking of Frenchie Lindor, I wanted to talk about him real quick because he's going around pick 50, 52 right now, which for those of us that have played long enough, know Lindor used to be an automatic first round pick back in the day. And mm-hmm. things have fallen tremendously because he had a rough, rough year in New York at 230, but still at 20 homer, or 20 homer, still 10 bags. You have to imagine the power comes back because he's still super young. The speed we'll see should be decent, but I still think like we kind of talked about him already. He should be a, a very good contributor. Do you think 50-ish is the right range, or should he be going maybe a little higher? Uh, I think that's about the right range. Um, I mean, he should be I mean, he should be right in his prime, right? He's 28 years old. Yep. We, we've seen what he can do. Uh, I've, you know, he's, he's going to be a second year in New York with his new team. The Mets got to be better offensively, you'd think. Like, you think, you know. <laughs> uh yeah, I I, I I think he's worth the draft pick right now. And in, yeah. in, in the you know end of the third, fourth, early fourth round, I think he's definitely worth that price tag now. And again, he's going to be the power speed combo. How much speed he's going to bring though? I'm a, I don't really know. Um, 125 games last year and only 10 steals. That kind of makes me a little bit nervous. I don't know if that's just a product of him not being able to get on base as much or 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 what the deal is. Um, I would like to see him get back to that 20 stolen base range. Yeah, it would be nice to see him start running some more because that used to be the beauty of him in the first round. Now it's like J-Ram took that over from the old Cleveland team, and now there's all these other shortstops that are running wild. So it makes yeah. it interesting. Um, you mentioned you took Trevor Story. He's going right around the same time, give or take. Would you rather have Story over Lindor, or is it strictly if I need steals, I want Story, otherwise I want Lindor? I, w- I would rather Story than Lindor. Yeah. I'm really curious on where Story's going to land because there's so many rumors. I'm, I'm like pretty darn positive though it ain't going to be Colorado though. So yeah, <laughs> pick somewhere else, but, which yeah. is fine. I mean, I think he needs to get out of there. I, that, I think that second half after, especially after he didn't get traded, I think he was just threw it in. It in. Yeah, yep, I'm with you 100 percent on that one. Let's talk about Mr. Mondesi. Got to bring him up just because it's it's very interesting this year because you you don't have to pay like a second round price tag anymore, which is mm-hmm. nice. He's going around pick 50-ish, 52. Um, he's got third base eligibility this year, which is a bit different as well. That kind of perks things up with as bad as third base can be. Mm-hmm. And we know he's one of those guys that doesn't have to play a full season. He'll still be a fantasy beast. And then you just replace him with someone else at third base. And they, they're not going to be against some production. Yeah, and you out on Mondesi this year. Uh, I actually did take one share of Mondesi already. Um, I... I've always been out on him just because of that price tag. I mean, he's going to end of the first round, second round, third round. That's just, that's way too high of a price tag for me. He's just, obviously the injury issues are just, <laughs> I mean, a glaring, glaring weakness for him. Um, but he just, he doesn't do, doesn't do like everything that I really liked. Like he's never really hit for a good batting average when he hit 276 back in 2018 but it's been downhill since then, 263, 256, 230. I think he's properly priced now, though. Like, I, I would be willing to take a shot on him now. He, Like you said, he is third base eligible. Uh, third base is by far the weakest position, in my opinion. And I, th- I think uh, I think he's priced properly now. Where I think he, he, he's definitely going to be on a couple of my teams. I don't know. I'm not ever going to reach for him, though. It's going to have to be a situation where he kind of falls to me, which which can definitely happen right now. So he's definitely a guy that I'm, I'm not completely crossing off my board like I have in years past. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Like I, when he was a second-round player, I'm like, nope, not a chance. Not going to happen. But now it's like, okay, well, now we're talking fourth, fifth round. Um, usually there's always going to be someone in your draft that's going to want him more than you. So it'll be tough mm-hmm. to have him fall, but some of the perks of draft early, what we're doing is you might get that random fall and that's where it can get fun. So I'm not going to say, no, I won't have any shares out of Arctomonacy, but it's much more intriguing this year 
as you said. So uh, I'm, I'm curious to see where this goes and the conversations at least in play this year. And just, you know, I think the beauty of these deeper leagues is also you can do a guy like that and go draft another third baseman a little earlier per se and play that game. Whereas like a redraft league, it might be tough to just stash a third baseman. Um, so you might have to play the waiver wire if he gets hurt or something. But mm-hmm. like on these deep leagues, you can go grab a guy and, and have him as like a quarter infield slash I'm going to put him at third base option type thing. So yeah. there's definitely ways to build your lineups, make it make it work, which is very very and, interesting. And in, and in draft champions, like if you're if you're going to take a guy like Montesi, um kind of make sure that you get your get your back get your bench filled with a couple good decent third base options. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe somebody like Josh Harrison is eligible yeah. there. Hunter Dozier, like guys that are probably going to play every day at least, get you. Um, you know, when he does get hurt then you replace him with a guy. At least you have, you know, a backup plan where he's a guy that's going to play every day. Yep. 100% agree with you on that one. Uh, the last kind of ADP standout, I'm only going over the top 100 ADP because you can go deep. But uh, one that stood out to me is Bobby Wood Jr. Like we knew he destroyed AAA. We destroyed double, all the minor leagues. All of it. it was no issue for him. There was always the rumors like, oh, he's going to get called up. And he never got called up. So is what it is. But um, he's going around pick 75 to 80 right now. So people that want him are going and getting him. This could be a product of a, a draft and hold situation where you don't have to worry about the whole wait a month thing. You can just put him on your bench and then, and then bring him in because you obviously can't add him once he's called. There's no Fabapalooza from Bobby Wood Jr. in these formats. Are you going after Bobby in these ones? Because like I don't mind taking chances on prospects, but for me, I've rarely taken him this early. He's a, he's a, he's a different specimen, but I'm curious on your thoughts on him. Yeah, I've seen him go in the third round. I've seen him go in the fourth round. Way too early for me. No way I could do that. Um, I did see him go, I think, in the seventh round of one of my leagues. It's a little more enticing there. It's probably still a little bit too early for me there as well. I'm seeing that – so he right now he's eligible at shortstop on NFBC, and I'm seeing that on one of the reports saying that he'll be given every opportunity to win the starting third base job. So that is, I don't know if that's accurate. I mean, but if it is third and short eligible, I like that a lot. That also probably means that uh, Mondesi might going to get some shortstop eligible at all as well. So I don't know. I, I have no idea what Kansas City's going to do. Um, I'm probably at the current price tag, probably out on on wit. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to need to see some more. If he falls to me eighth, ninth round, something like that. I'll probably jump in, but he definitely has the upside of a five category bat, but we have seen plenty of prospects come up and not perform. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's been a trend lately too. It's like, it takes them a, a trip or two. Like there, there's, it's not as often that they just come, but like Wander Franco, he got the job done last year, but he even had a little slow go early on, but they stuck with him and it worked. But, you know, we got the clinics. We've got so many guys that have, have been up and down and like even Trevor Larnick, like I just think he's gonna be a good ball player, but last year wasn't great by any means. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see like Bobby Witt's awesome. But like you said, if he plays third base, what's that do to Montessi? Do they move Montessi to shortstop? And then what's it do with Nikki Lopez or what? Like here's so many moving parts there. Uh, like mm-hmm. the Hunter Dozier thing. What's that do to Hunter Dozier? Like he's got third base <laughs> eligibility. They can, they can put him in the outfield or first base, but then there's just so many moving parts in Kansas city. Yep. Yep. Definitely is. All right, let's talk about some ADP debates in these top 100 ADPs and uh, have some fun with this. And we'll start in the outfield, a guy you mentioned earlier, Lou Bob, but we'll uh, put Mike Trout, who's going, and he's the 15th player off the board, going against Lou Bob, who's the 18th player off the board. Obviously, Trout's not running anymore, but if Trout can at least play 140 games, which is a big butt once in a while, still productive as all, all can be. But then you got Robert, who has been pretty darn awesome too. So what do you do with these two? Uh, I would take Robert over him. Uh, I, I mean, I, I've always been kind of off of Trout just because – or not always, but the last couple of years just because I, I, I don't think he runs anymore. I mean, why would you put him through any kind of injury risk anymore? Like, he's already been nicked up, what is this, four years in a row. I think he's 30 now. I just – I think the days of him running are done, and it just doesn't fit my – what I like to do in those first couple of rounds. Um, with my with my draft strategy where I want stolen bases and I want um, aces. So I would I would go with Robert. 
Yeah, I'm I'm kind of leaning there with you because I um I really like Trout, but the aces and bases, like you said, it's um it's like okay, I'll take Devers, I'll, I'll take the exception there. And there's a couple like Harper still runs, you know, gets you five to ten steals. Trout ain't running at all. It just ain't happening. So it's tough, and he doesn't play every day now. So I don't know what they're gonna do with him. Um, it could backfire tremendously, but because it is Mike Trout of all people. He can go hit 45 home runs and drive in 130 or whatever and prove me wrong, but I, I'm with you. I think I'll take the chance on Luis Robert, uh, Robert, who um going to be that awesome lineup. The biggest thing with him that gets me tilted, and I hope it changes this year, is uh, drunk drunk Uncle Tony needs to make sure he's like leading off or hitting second every game. When they were batting in the back of the lineup, then back to the front, and then back in front, and just put him in, put him in front of Moncada and Abreu and Eloy. Let him feast. <laughs> but uh, yeah. we'll we'll see what Tony does. All right, yeah. uh, another fun one here. We talk about getting those bases in the early rounds here. Two guys to take a look at: Starley Marte, who big fan of. I know you mentioned him being a potential target as well. He's got, uh, around ADP of twenty five ish right now. And then Cedric Mullins going two picks in front of him around twenty three. You know, Ced went thirty thirty last year, which is absolutely outstanding. Tough to duplicate. But uh, Marte's getting older, too. It didn't have a ton of power last year. So it's an interesting dynamic between the two. Who do you prefer in this debate? Yeah, this is a, this is a good one. Um, I prefer Marte. Uh, just a little bit more of a track record. And I don't – I think the the power is a, a little bit uh, – that's not going to happen again, I don't think, for uh, Mullins. 30 – I mean <laughs> – 30 home runs. I think we I think we wouldn't be surprised if he hit like 10 home runs last year with 30 stolen bases. I think that would be easily well within his reach, but 30 home runs, that's pretty wild. Uh lineup isn't very good around him. I just don't think uh I don't think that power comes back. So I would definitely go with Marte, especially if he is going to sign in Houston, like some of these reports. That would be Pretty big if Marte signed in Houston. My goodness, that uh, a the rich get richer, and b put him in that lineup hitting towards the top. Do do and that fortune left, he could pop up. He'd probably get a handful more home runs pretty easily right there. We have to remember a lot of his season was in Miami and Oakland. Doesn't yeah. bode well for your success in the power department. So exactly, and yeah. one other thing on Mullins, yeah. uh, I mean he had thirty home runs and he only had fifty nine RBIs. So, yeah, he ain't driving guys in. No, not leading so off he's already gonna be, no, he's going to be a major negative in that RBI category, no matter what he does offensively. So, and, I, and that's what sucks because I like Mullins. Like I believe he could get for a decent average. I believe he can steal bags. He can hit you know twenty, twenty five home runs, but he's not going to drive anybody. And really, how much? I guess he'll score if he's on base. He got Trey Mancini and and Mount Castle and stuff behind him, but uh, the overall production. Like if he goes 20, 20, if he goes 20, 30, even, which is awesome, but you can get Randy Rosarena two rounds later or something and get something probably similar, like and make it a lot more interesting. So, or even Tyler O'Neill, who might have more power, but less speed. So it'll be fun to see how that plays out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Mullen's just a little bit, uh, he's just a little bit too high for me in the, uh, for the price tag right now. And Starling Marte is the proven commodity. There's something about those early picks. Like it's fun taking the flashy new guy, but getting that kind of just locked in safer commodity per se is always a nice, nice choice as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Let's go to the middle infield now and talk about three guys. We got Marcus Simeon going around pick 28, coming off his monstrous MVP candidate season, looking for a new home. You got Whip Merrifield, more power than people want to give him credit for. So running like crazy, going around pick 34. And then you got Tim Anderson, who everyone it feels like just kind of overlooks a lot, just does this thing. He kind of slides into the draft somewhere, hits for a good average, a little bit of pop, some speed, kind of hits you in all five categories. Not lighting the world on fire, but hits you in all five categories. So how do you go with Simeon, Merrifield, and Timmy Anderson? Uh, I would definitely go with Tim Anderson over Whit Merrifield. Uh, and I don't really know on Simeon. I, I am... I had a couple shares last year. Obviously, enjoyed that. It was terrific. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to do with uh, with Simeon. I would probably go Tim Anderson, just because that White Sox lineup. I know where he's going to be hitting. I know what team he's going to be on. The White Sox lineup is loaded. Uh, he's he's proven that his what everybody gets all fired up about his walk rate. It doesn't matter. He's going to hit for a nice average. 
Uh, he's going to score a bunch of runs. He's going to, yeah, he's going to be a nice power speed combo. I get a little bit nervous about Tim Anderson. He's kind of been kind of gotten some injury issues over the last couple of years. Yeah. So he hasn't really played a full season. Um, so I'm a little bit nervous about that, but I would, uh, I would go Tim Anderson out, out of that group. That's kind of Riley. And I think a lot of people are, are Marcus Simeon fans right now. And I get it. He was awesome last year, like you said, but mm-hmm. A, we don't know where he's going to play. And B, talk about drafting a guy at his peak. Like he, he did everything right. Like mm-hmm. he, he's gonna he's gonna still hit for average, probably a little bit of pop. I don't think he's gonna have a pop like that. Um, and is he gonna steal that much? Potentially, we'll see. He's still young, but you're paying mm-hmm. a premium for that season last year, and that's that's tough to stomach. I love Tim Anderson. I'm, I'm with you. I'd have Tim over the three. Um, there is concern for sure. There is concern for sure. But uh, I think if he starts the top of that White Sox lineup for like at least 130 games, which is a big if sometimes. That's a that's a beachly fantasy production coming your way, but it just goes to show you how deep the um the shortstop pool is. Like we've hit on, uh, we've already gone through pick thirty six, and there's a ton. We got two more coming up here next. Like it's a it's a very very loaded loaded situation right now. Yeah, it really um, is. And the next two we got up here is Xander Bogarts going to pick forty two, Wander Franco going to pick forty six. And this is a fun one because you got Xander who's literally steady Eddie. Like you know what you're going to get, good average. 20 to 25 home runs, maybe runs hot for a little like 30. Uh, he's going to get you five-ish steals, but he's going to count you runs, RBIs. You can just lock him in and just as long as he doesn't get hurt, he's good. No worries. Wander Franco, on the other hand, we've seen the highs and the lows, and I think we still haven't seen the highest of the high yet. And mm-hmm. that's where it gets interesting. So do you take the steady Yeti and Bogarts, or do you roll the dice on a, on a Wander Franco who didn't really run much last year? Uh, Bogarts for me. I, I like that. Uh, I like that nice uh, comfort, that safety in the first few rounds, and he definitely provides that. I mean, I think he's been the you know the most steady shortstop over the last few years. So, I'm definitely going Bogarts there. Yep, 100%. I love the. I mean, I think we all love the you know the Wander Franco, the the upside, right? And maybe it comes this year, maybe it doesn't. I'm not really to, I'm not ready to roll the dice and take him over somebody like Bogarts quite yet. So yeah, it's it's definitely Bogarts for me. Yeah, it's like Bogarts, you know what you're getting. There's no real questions involved there, but you got like Wander Franco. It's yeah, he played well, but seven homers, two stolen bases in 70 games. Is that really gonna cut it for you? He's projected steamers got him for 19 homers, 10 stolen bases. Like that's not really lighting the world on fire. Like, okay. Right. I talked about projections for someone else. Would you rather have Wander Franco or Jazz Chisholm? It's for fun. Jazz. And they're going like 35 picks apart. That's the beauty of it right there. Because we know what Jazz is going to do, in my opinion. And yeah, Wander's got such a weird difference going on. Yeah, I mean, Wander stole two bases in 70 games. So... Maybe that 10, 10 stolen bases that they're projected for, maybe that's even a little high. Uh, give, give me Jazz. Give me Jazz. He's got that 30 stolen base upside with 20 home runs. And obviously you're gonna give you're gonna give up some batting average with Jazz, but I'll I'll take that. I'll take Jazz at that price easily before Wander at his price. Yeah, no, we're this is be a, a team jazz Chisholm uh, podcast time and time again this year. It sounds like I'm just gonna <laughs> just try to pump the narrative in there and just take jazz Chisholm, everybody. Um, let's go to the outfield though. Let, let's go to the outfield. Let's mix it up a little bit here. Randy Rosarena, rookie of the year. Randy Rosarena. Uh, we know he's got the 2020 ability. Did it again this past year. He's going around pick 50, 51. Got Tyler O'Neill hit 30 plus 34 home runs this last year. Stole 15 bags. Hit for a good average. Super young. The speed's ridiculous. The power he knows there, he's, it all came together this year. We've seen Randy kind of do it for like a season and a half. We've seen Tyler do it for a season. Uh, they're going to take two picks apart. Who would you prefer? Oh, this is the toughest one. Uh, I actually like both of them. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know. I'd maybe flip a coin on it. Uh, well, no, I mean, I, I would probably go, I'd probably go Tyler O'Neill. Um, I think he's got a little bit more power upside, but yeah, it's me, it's very close for me. So that makes me feel a lot better because literally you're on the you just got on the clock in our league, but that means I had to pick two picks ago, and I was debating between Randy Rosarena and Tyler O'Neill because I needed steals, 
and I thought about taking Randy because I think he gets more steals, but I took Tyler because I think the power and the speed, I can get some more speed a little later or whatever. Um, I want to see what Tyler's got in him to crank it up a little more. But Randy, even towards the end of last year, they were messing with his playing time in Tampa Bay. And that's a kind of concern to me where Tyler, as long as he doesn't just fall off the face of the earth with his production, he's hitting like fifth at worst every day in the lineup. So that's another plus for me. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh it's very, very close for me between those two. I would be happy with either one of them really. Yeah. Well, technically I've done two drafts now. You got your boy Gio. Well done. Um, yeah. I- I've done two drafts now, technically. And I have one Rosarena and one Tyler O'Neill share. So it's uh, it's just pretty much I think the way it's going to go. There's a good chance I'll be targeting one of those two in most drafts around round four-ish, give or take. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, back back to Jazz Chisholm. People are going to hate me on this. But uh, I, t- I said we would get to him later. Jazz Chisholm would pick 74. He's second base shortstop eligible, so I put him up against another second baseman. Jose Altuve at pick 78. Jose Altuve is not sexy, but you know you talk about steady Eddie Bogarts at shortstop. Altuve is as steady as it comes. He's leading off for one of the best teams in all of baseball. Even if and imagine, like you said, they get Starling Marte. My goodness, not going to mm-hmm. run much anymore though. That's the biggest thing. So you got mm-hmm. Chisholm or you got Marte? I mean, uh, Chisholm or Altuve? Sorry. Yeah, I, I would probably go with Altuve here. Mm-hmm. Again, though. It, as long as I've addressed my stolen bases early, which I like to do, Altuve is the clear pick there between those yeah. two. Um, yeah, like you said, he's going to be he's Astros, Astros lineup. I mean, just look what he did last year. He had 117 runs, mm-hmm. you know, 83 RBIs. His counting stats are going to be way higher than Jazz's. Yep. Uh, batting average is going to be way higher. But yeah, it's, it's really just the stolen bases that are um, going to be going to, you know, favor Jazz. But well, and if, yeah, if you're doing I'll, your, I'll do it for sure. But if you're doing your aces and bases by this pick, you should hopefully have some stolen bases already, in theory, mm-hmm. if, if mm-hmm. things played out properly. So you're not relying on Altuve. And you mentioned those counting stats, the runs, even the RBIs, he'll get you probably 70-ish, 75, because he's going to – he hits like 20, 20 to 5 home runs. Like he's not a complete wash. Um, yeah. I think he's a – Yeah, he had 31, 31 home runs last year and 83 yeah. RBIs. I think he's a steal at this pick. Like I thought he was a kind of a steal last year, and he, he got it he, he got it done. I was shocked to see him at this ADP, to be totally honest, because you know the the power, the um, the overall production. He's a four category guy. He's a he's a second base Jordan Alvarez. Like he's not going to hit fifty five home runs like Jordan, but for second base production levels, he's a second base Jordan Alvarez. And he's going to pick seventy six. So, yeah, yeah, that, it's really really crazy. That's that's what's fun about looking at these ADPs and super early and it could be a lot of overreactions, whatever. But um, it, it stands out to be pretty, pretty interesting, uh, to say the least. Uh, I'm just going to ask you a couple more guys here just to get questions out of you. Um, Alex Bregman, he's a massive question mark right now. He's going to pick 90 so far in ADP. And we know he's battling injuries. He had that wrist surgery, you know, um, Nick Savale and, and Derek Rhodes, and these guys that know injuries pretty well said they wouldn't be as concerned with this one because of like they they had a much better way to explain it follow their twitter they'll they'll help you out with that but um i trust those guys that's what they do um he only had 12 homers last year hit 270 i think the average will still be fine just does the power return this could be one of those like the altuve last year do you take the chance and it pays off great or is he not what do you think are you looking at getting a guy like bregman around pick 90 i'm really not uh, I've never been a Bregman guy, and I don't really know why. Because I know he's been really good. Um, he's just—I don't know. I don't. I really don't. I don't have a good answer for this. He's just always been a guy that I've kind of went away from. But with third base being the way it is, mm-hmm. and it is—if people haven't drafted yet, it is—it gets pretty weak uh, in a hurry. So I mean, if I got third base open and I don't need stolen bases, which I shouldn't at that part of the draft. I mean, we always need stolen bases, but I should be comfortable in stolen bases. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I have no problem taking him there. The the wrist issue does concern me a little bit, but, you know, we're in November, so it's he's got plenty of time to, to heal up and get ready for spring training and for the season. So, yeah, I got I got no problem with there. He's, he's definitely worth that price tag as opposed to where he was going, I feel like, um, a couple years ago when he was going, I think, in like the second, third round. Yeah, he's going early, going going very early. He feels like a guy that um, 
spring training rolls around and he has like a good first week or so, that ADP is going to go through the roof because yeah, I think people are sure. going, oh, wow, he's back. He's back. Okay. And I think that's when we start seeing that uh, like fourth round, Alex Bregman. And this is one of the, this could be one of those guys where you look back going, this is why I draft early. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> this is why. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a perfect target right now because we've seen what he can do. So like if you're drafting early, like he's a perfect target uh, right now at his, at where he's, his current ADP is. Um, we talked about how deep starting pitching is, and it's kind of that way through most of the draft. Um, like when you go past ADP 100, there's just a ton of outfielders that start to show up like that. You can, you can pick through, through your drafts, like just off the top of your head. Is there like certain sections of the draft where there's like pockets where positions really um, are like, you can wait and get a bunch of them in this part of the draft, or you can do this or that. Like, you, I think you know what I'm saying, but is there like certain positions or certain parts of draft where you find it maybe easier to attack certain parts of your roster? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I, I really like the pitchers um, that where they're going right now. Uh, like, you know, I, I was able to get, you know, Alec Manoa in the sixth round. I really like that a lot. There's, there's, loads of pitchers that I actually like in sixth through like 10th round. Um, you're looking at Shane McClanahan. I'm a big fan of him. Trevor Rogers, uh, Dylan Cease, uh, Pablo Lopez, like sign me up for these guys. Like th- this is like, that's, that's the area where I like to hit my three, four, five uh, starters. As you know, as long as I've, I've gotten what my draft strategy, I usually like to get two, two aces early. So if I can wait till like, you know, seven, eight, nine, right in there in the in the in the seventh, eighth, ninth rounds to load up on my three, four, five pitchers. That would be that's like perfectly ideal for me. Yeah, no, that that's kind of where I I was doing it in my earlier draft is get get the early ones. But to me, it was like okay, I can keep taking pitchers, but because there's so many good ones right here, and then you know for the last like thirty rounds, not to really worry about a whole lot, and just start filling in with guys. Or I can go take more bats and then just fill in with like fourth and fifth starters later. It's the conundrum that I was trying to, I was trying mm-hmm. to tell myself, let's get like top three pitchers in rotations now instead of worrying about these guys later, like you know the Brady Singers of the world and stuff who they're actually better this year. But you know, like last year, that's what you're doing and praying yeah. it would work. And that's kind of the different lineup builds you get because I know some guys that'll just you know get this and then the last like twenty picks is I want all pitchers, relief pitchers, starting pitchers, and it works for them because it gets you your innings. It's it's the beauty of these longer drafts to find different ways to build those rosters. Like talking to Ryan last episode, it was how many relievers do you try to leave a draft with? How many of this do you like Rob DiPietro, he's he's one DC's obviously the overall. Mm-hmm. And he's mentioned outfielders, don't sleep on outfielders because you need to start five of them. And like it's very, very vital to have that. And at first, the newbie I was a couple years ago in these, I didn't think about that because I'm just used to redrafts. Like, I'll just we're good. And some get hurt. (laughs) You're just like, oh, oh, that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's the thing about outfield. Everybody's like, oh, there's so many outfielders. But when you start five and you have 15 teams, like it uh, it can dry up in a hurry. Yeah. And there's a couple other pitchers I actually forgot to mention, too, that I really like a lot. Like Chris Bassett, Tyler Male, and Logan Gilbert. Like those are also perfect examples of guys that I like in sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth rounds. You can get them in, and it's uh, yeah, the the starting pitchers are plentiful right in those rounds. Yeah, there's between like the top 150 or top 200 picks total. So between rounds 10 and 15 or whatever in a 15 teamer, you can have it one heck of a rotation like mapped out for you. Um, it just depends on when did you take relievers? Did you wait on relievers? That's always a fun one. And then how do your bats look? But you can make it all work mm-hmm. out for sure as, as as you build it all out. Um, before we get into listener questions here, I have a question for you because I've seen mm-hmm. something that people watch on YouTube. You can see this too. What's your favorite high noon flavor? Ooh, that's tough. Uh, and I haven't had a lot of I, the new ones. I've been seeing a lot of the new ones. I haven't had them. But I'm still kind of like the you know, like eight or so. So yeah, like, there's, there's seven the flavors. I've, yeah, there's actually eight flavors, but seven you can only yeah. you can get seven in, in the four packs individuals. But yeah, there's yeah. passion fruit that's in the tropical variety pack right now. Yeah. Uh, my favorite, I would have to go with probably grapefruit or pineapple. Grapefruit. Um, we're like on the same the, wavelength there. Grapefruit yeah. Pineapple. <laughs> yeah. Those two are definitely uh, right up there. I do. There is one flavor that I really don't like, but it's what's what's crazy is it's the, the flavor that I saw the most of is black, black cherry. cherry. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> we have the same fucking thing. It's like, uh, it's not that so good. You're the it's first just, person, you're the first person like, that's told me that you don't like it. And I don't, although, although my wife doesn't like it either. But yeah, my yeah, wife and I don't like it at all. My, all my friends yeah. love it. And I'm like, ah, I just can't do it. I don't want to rip my own product that I sell. But yeah, no, it's, like, just, it's the one flavor I can't do. Because now Costco sells the four pack, like the four four variety, like uh, sixteen packs, whatever it is. But yeah. it's lime, grapefruit, pineapple, and black cherry. Well, the four black cherries in each one gets given out to friends, and yeah. then <laughs> oh, it's watermelon, not lime. My wife loves the watermelon. I love the grapefruit. We share the pineapple. That's, that's yeah. how it always works. Because um, and I hate pineapple, but most things of life. But someone gave me a pineapple one of those on like on a hot summer day, and my goodness. Like just, just beautiful. And uh, for listeners, I never ever thought I'd be a, a seltzer person. I don't categorize these as seltzers, though. That's one thing I'll say is, you know, the white claws of the world and stuff—they're super fizzy and all this stuff. You don't even yeah. notice that in the noon. Like they're smooth and just beautiful. They're so well done. Yeah, the high noon—it's it's vodka based, made with real yeah. fruit juice. Real fruit. Whereas, yeah. like white, and I don't want to rip anybody else's products, but most of the other seltzers out I'll there—I'll do it for you. Malt- Malt based and artificially <laughs> and flavored, hangovers so. in a can, yeah. So that's a difference, but yeah, if you don't want to call it a seltzer, you can call it a canned cocktail. Canned cocktail, there you go. Look at he's yeah. a salesman, folks. He's a salesman, <laughs> yeah. No, a good friend of mine, his good friend's wife works for a company that makes them, so every time he visits them, he comes back with paraphernalia and all kinds of stuff. And oh, yeah, it's it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. The high noon uh company, yeah. so great product and uh well hopefully it keeps growing and growing and growing it'll be, it'll be amazing because slowly but surely we're, we're able to find it in more and more places which is which is nice to say the least all right listener questions here dave mcdonald he has a lot of questions for you yeah <laughs> um he's gonna he's gonna put you on the spot and you can you can plead the fifth on anything you want to plead the fifth on he says who are the best high stakes players uh well i think you know you got to look at some of the some of the nfbc hall of famers there lindy and you know gecko steve japanka like those guys are casey cha obviously those guys are probably you know probably the the best out there uh but there's uh yeah there's there's some incredible good players dave's one of them vlad sadler matt mohika like yeah those are and obviously, Phil is starting to, you know, the Phil's robot. season is putting him right onto the, like, right. I'd honestly, the map, I'd so. honestly hate to be Phil this year because the expectations are through the roof. Like, he's, yeah, I could have the worst <laughs> season ever. Yeah, 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 for sure. But I wouldn't mind counting my money and them losing too. It's cool. So, um, <laughs> who are some of the high stakes players that are very, very good that people might not know about? Um, that's a good question. Um, I will give you one guy that I think is phenomenal. Uh, it's Dave's enemy, the guilds. He's really Andrew Geller. Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, yeah, he's absolutely amazing. Uh, he's phenomenal in football and baseball. Um, yeah, he's a, he's a really, really good player. Yep. No doubt about that. Um, will you have triple digit leagues this year? No. Not even close. How many? How Not many did you have last close. year total? I think I had like mid thirties last year. That's it. It felt like you were always drafting. <laughs> I was always tweeting out, trying to get people to get in so I could get get it going. <laughs> people, though, they're not going to run it. Like you have, I remember you having those nights. Um, so then he says over under on fifty leagues with you and Zach in them both. That's got to be the under then. Oh yeah, under under. Okay, because you two are the the main drafters of the world. Um, Ryan Roof asks, why does John keep targeting the entire Houston center field triumvirate and all of the drafts I've done with him? And what happens if they sign Marte? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, if they sign Marte, then, uh, it might not look good for me, but yeah, I've, I've been taking a lot of Chaz McCormick, uh, was it Siri and, um, who's the other guy there that just got hurt in the playoffs? Oh, I know you're talking about. Uh, can't think of his name now. All of a sudden, I know I'm blanking on it as well. Myers, I mean, Myers, Myers. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. So I took. I've been taking all three of them because I think one of them. I don't know which one, but I think one of them is going to break out. Um, I would bank on Myers, but now with the injury, I'm. I don't know, but yeah. So I'm taking all three of them because I think one of them will run away with the everyday job and and have a breakout season. 
Yeah, I, I liked Myers' overall tools last year. He was really, really good. So, well, Siri, like they all have their moments. So it'll be interesting to see. Mm-hmm. Hey, you put them all out there. You can you know, mix and match them. See how see how it goes. Um, yeah, Joe, yeah. Joe, yeah. It's it's a good full. It's a good. Do you do a lot of stacking like that in your DCs? No, not usually. Uh, okay. Just in this instance, because I think, I mean, I, I think because they got rid of Miles Straw, right? So they saw something. And then they got rid of, uh, or then they get rid of him. But uh, Michael Brantley is kind of like a, he's getting a little bit older. He's always kind of an injury risk. So I think there's going to be at least one outfield spot that opens up. But if they sign Marte, then obviously that's gonna that could close up quickly. So yeah, I mean it, you're getting these guys in the reserve rounds, and they, I think I think all three of them, I think one of them has an opportunity to break out and they could be opportunity for trades um, mid season, you know, these draft and holds, obviously you're drafting for the whole season. So if one of them gets traded and gets everyday playing time for the last couple of months, then you're looking at, uh, it, you know, an everyday player and an opportunity to, you know, maybe he breaks out then. Yeah. It's not bad to have everyday player options on some of the better teams in all of baseball as well. So that's yeah. a, that's a plus. You're not like loading up on, you know, the Orioles or something. So, um, Joe McHugh asks, what is John's favorite cocktail? Uh, I'm a vodka drinker, so probably just a vodka lemonade. I'd be happy. Just nice and nice and simple. I, you know, being a liquor salesman, you'd think I'd drink a lot of things, but I really don't. I'm very, uh, I drink a lot of quantity. Just not not a yeah. <laughs> <laughs> over quality sometimes. No, and you yeah. probably get you probably get the good vodkas too potentially, so you don't have to worry about the you know you know pop off and stuff like that. So that's always good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm just a, I'm just a vodka drinker. I'm not much of a whiskey drinker. Brandy's huge here in Wisconsin, but I don't drink. Yes, much it brandy. is. My goodness. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I don't I don't uh, touch brandy either. But my God, what you guys do there in Wisconsin? It's it's a freaking pastime. It's, that and Jameson. Yeah. <laughs> it's our staple here. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, what's your vodka of choice? Uh, I really don't have a favorite. Whatever's vodka. available. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm good with whatever, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the vodka I sell the most of is New Amsterdam. So uh, I'll, I'll say that for, for business that's reasons. That, that's probably one of the ones I have not tried yet. So that's interesting. It's always like Tito's or Goose or like I'll, I'll get the Costco vodka, which I believe is Goose now Kirk, or something. I don't know. They have all yeah, different Kirk, ones. Kirkland probably. Yeah, the Kirkland one. Yeah. Their stuff's great, so I'm fine with that. It's just it's one of the big one one of the big products in their bottle. It's all. It's, yeah. Um, the thing for me is I don't drink it straight, so I, I always like to mix it with something. So yeah, no, I, I can't do it straight either. I, I did that when I was in college, and we don't do that anymore. So that's just not allowed anymore in the, this household. Um, if I want to stay married and, and that's just how it's going to go. So yeah. we, we mix things. Um, but uh, it's always fun chatting with you, uh, John. I don't have uh, any more listener questions. because I'm not going to ask you what kind of soap you prefer and stuff. These guys wanted to know. So we don't, we don't need to talk about that, but uh, I always enjoy uh, chatting it up with you. Uh, any other fancy baseball takeaways right now or any, just anything. What, what, what do you got going on? I'll just, I'll just tell a quick story. Um, so it's kind of what I've been preaching my aces and bases strategy. I did it last year in the super DC. I started off with pocket aces. I went Bieber Bueller. My third round pick was Whit Merrifield. And my fourth round pick was Aroldis Chapman. So I started off my first four rounds and I got 10 stolen bases total, or I'm sorry, 10 home runs total. And I won the league in home runs and RBIs. Like it just, it goes to show you like it was just a little bit more confirmation, like for my belief and my strategy that you really can get power later. Like it's plentiful throughout the entire draft, whether it's a fab league or a draft and hold, you can get loads and loads of power later. No, I agree with you on that one. No, I, I think that's a great point. Like it's the category that you can find best in offense. I think that's the thing people like the best way to put it because stolen bases, sure you can find it later, but those guys will crush your team. Like yeah for the most part. But power guys, if they're getting power, they're scoring runs, they're driving guys in. So at worst were they not stealing bags and maybe a bad batting average, but batting average sucks these days. So like there's not too yeah. many Adam Duns out there killing you. 
Um, so I'm 100% with you. It uh, It's just last year, like I said, I just struck out on my guys. Like, you know, Christian Walker, I thought would hit me 25 homers, and he hit, what, six? Um, I, yeah. I, had a handful of, I had a handful of guys do stuff like that, and that just – that crushed me all on the same team. But um, yeah, I'm with you 100%. he was terrible. He was terrible. I did have him in a couple leagues as well. He's going so late. He seemed like a great power source, late power source, and it just didn't Yeah, happen. that's what I thought too. When he was middle of the lineup, he's going to have an everyday role. Like, yeah, it just didn't work out. Yeah, we'll have to see the more we dig in the drafts and see who stands out and see how those change and all that kind of fun stuff. But, uh, John, appreciate you joining me. We're going to wrap it up there, and uh, we'll have to do it again this draft season and see where uh, things are ironed out here in about a month or so. Sounds good, Bubba. Thanks for having me on. It's always a pleasure. No problem, everybody. Make sure you check out John on Twitter at Pile of Dial. He's a great follow, great drafting all the time. He's a great source of knowledge and uh, an FPC just stud. So make sure you check him out and get all the goods from him. He's, he was just on Rob DiPietro's podcast. I'll probably be making some more rounds along the way. So uh, check all the good stuff out there, and we'll wrap it up with Bench with Bubba, episode 416. Catch you guys later. better with a home policy from American Family Insurance because you'll feel protected no matter how the wind blows. Also, you can keep enjoying the home of your dreams. And our expert agents can help you save up to 23% when you bundle home with auto. Insure carefully, dream fearlessly. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.